Yeah, he's going to get a longer cable for us, so we'll be all right. I, what? I don't know. Where'd the mic go? <laughs> don't bother me with these things. <laughs> all right. Um, I did. I just did. And it's getting all this nonsense on it. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> Where are we? Verse, uh, verse uh, 11 now. So, for God is with us. The nations can do what they want, but God is with us. Are you with me here? God is personally present incarnate in verse 8 uh, and in verse uh, 10. He's personally present and incarnate. Incarnate? Jesus is there physically? No, this is providential presence of God. Are you with me here? Yes? So verse 11. For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people. This whole passage is about who should we trust? Don't walk in the way of this people, saying you are not to say it's a, it's a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy. And you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of what they dread. Uh, later in Jeremiah's day, another, see, we're in, um, what, what, what's the period here? Eighth century, seven, um, the, the late part of the eighth century. Jeremiah's going to be in the early part of the sixth century. So 140 years later, Jeremiah is going to be accused of being a traitor for opposing the plan of the king and opposing um, what's going on in Jerusalem. So, so Isaiah, maybe Isaiah is being charged with conspiracy against the king. Verse 13. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy. He shall be your fear. He shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary. You, you regard him as holy, Yes. The Hebrew word is um, kadash, to, to, to be holy. And the word for sanctuary is mikdash. Kadash, mikdash. You hear it? Yeah? So then, when you regard the Lord as holy, he becomes a sanctuary. Well, what do you know about sanctuary? What does the word mean in general? Safety. Safety, a place of safety. This is a place of asylum. So... So when Joab is conspiring to put Adonijah on the throne after David, and it turns out that Solomon gets the throne, Joab rushed to the temple, uh, to the uh, to the uh, place where the altar was kept. He rushed up there and and grabbed the horns of the altar, and David they they came in. David had sent a man to, to execute Joab, and he said he's he's taken refuge in the in the sanctuary, and David said, drag him out. Kill him. He's, uh, he's opposing the Lord's king. Are you with me here? So you can't take refuge in the Lord when you're opposing the Lord. But if you will sanctify the Lord, then you can take refuge in the Lord. Folks, taking refuge in the Lord sounds really neat and, and, and sweet and soft and, and safe. Yes? 
it is safe. It's the safest place to be. But it doesn't feel safe. It feels like if God doesn't show up, everything's going to fall through. I have this friend who's a pastor that I've talked about recently who's been struggling in his, in his church. I was just convinced that um, things had gotten so bad that the Lord was getting ready to work. And I told him, you, you, need, to, you need to hang on. Don't, don't leave. Stay in this because God is going to act on your behalf if you will trust him. And he stayed. Um, and the, the next week, the next Saturday, the people who were causing all the trouble in the church went into the church, took everything that belonged to them, and left and said they would never be back. And there were people the next day, the, the attendance was up the next day because <laughs> the word got out that these guys were leaving. And the, two or three people who, had, who were there that Sunday came to my, my friend and said, you know, I haven't been here in months because of those guys. I'll be back now. I'm coming back home. Are you with me here? But my buddy was struggling because there was no clear and obvious route to a solution to this problem. That's almost always when God goes to work. As long as I think I have a solution and God's not going to work, it's when I see that there is nothing left that God typically goes to work. I wish I'd get to that point a lot earlier. Maybe things would be a lot easier. <laughs> but, but So verse 14, this, he will be a sanctuary, but to, but, uh, but to both houses of Israel, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble on. Why? Because they don't take refuge in the Lord. They don't sanctify the Lord, and they can't have sanctuary from him. A snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them. Then they will fall and be broken. Then they will be even snared and caught. Why? Because Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. War is coming. Judgment's coming. There will be a remnant. But war is coming. Verse 16. Now, um, and I have two different outlines here. Uh, in verses 11 to 13, uh, Isaiah must instruct the people to fear him, not Aram and, and Israel. Isaiah challenges his people to reject paranoia and see God's hand in the events of their time. To refuse to do so is to become more and more fearful, more and more unstable. For it means that our lives are ultimately in the hands of unknown powers, too devious for us to know and to control. Um, when you listen to the news, how does it make you feel? Uh, paranoia. paranoia. Um, we need to know what's going on. We, need, we, we, we must look to our future in light of reality. We must not be um, Pollyanna. We must not be, um, what was her name? In uh, Gone, Gone with the Wind. Uh, Scarlett O'Hara. Oh, well, I'll worry about that tomorrow. Philly D. Uh, we, we've got to be people who know the reality, but look at the reality through a different lens. The lens of reality must become the nature of our God, his promises, and his, his, his sovereign care for us. Yes, ma'am. In, uh, in Isaiah 
in the Beatitudes, the word gentle, uh, one of the aspects of the word gentle is not to resist God mm. and uh, uh, to look to view God as good yeah. under whatever circumstances of the, uh, are there. And, uh, and then Jesus said, you know, take my yoke upon me, uh, upon you, because yeah. I am meek and lowly of heart, yes. and you'll find rest in yes. souls. Yeah. We're going to come back to the yoke a couple of times in this passage, in fact. Thanks for bringing that up. Richard? I, I don't know if I should even mention this or not, because I'm <clears throat> speculating on this, but could, could you? What had, now we know what they did. We know what Israel did. We know what happened. What if Israel had changed and said, okay, we're going to worship God and so forth, and we're going back to God, and the reverse of what happened happened, would there have been uh, a church age? I don't know. The, um, there, are, there are intimations in Scripture. I was thinking about putting that into, the mess, in, into this material this morning. Um, there are intimations in Scripture. King Saul, God says to King Saul, if you had walked before me, I would have given you an, an everlasting throne. Well, what would have happened to David? Exactly. I don't know. But God knew that he wasn't going to walk before him. He said to Jeroboam the first, you know there are two Jeroboams, yes? Mm -hmm. All right. Jeroboam the first, the guy who took over uh, after Solomon's death um, and, and, and took the northern tribes away from, from David's house. He said the same thing to Jeroboam. If you had walked before me as my servant David did. Uh, David who committed adultery and premeditated murder. If you had walked before me as my servant David did, I would have given you a permanent throne. What would have happened to David? I, I don't know. That's in God's hands. I have to leave those things. Well, why, why I'm asking yeah. the question. Why I'm asking the question is this sounds like a foreshadowing of, okay, the tribulation and the millennium. And what's happening is Israel's in the same boat today as it was then. Yeah. Okay. And if Assyria could be the Antichrist yeah. in that time, yeah. well, the Antichrist is going to be the Assyrian for Israel today. Yeah. The, the, uh, when we were in Israel one time, I asked asked our um, guide, who was a retired sergeant major in the Israeli Air Force, uh, Army. Uh, anybody who's a sergeant major got my respect, boy, I tell you. But, but um, I said, would you tell the group something about some of the amazing events in, in the wars that you were in? And he looked at me, I, and I implied that God was involved, and he looked at me really strangely. And I realized he didn't think God was involved. Just for clarification, modern-day Syria is what? Syria. Yeah. Assyria it, is? It, no, Assyria is in northern Iraq. Okay, that's what I was Yeah, saying. Syria is our modern-day no, Syria. Syria. Yeah. Um, one problem that we're going to face in this whole passage, and I hate to do this and not get on into chapter 9, but what, one problem that we're going to face is he's talking about and, and will be through chapter 23, talking about all sorts of ancient nations. And, and are, we to, are we to think that somehow the geopolitical 
realities of the 8th century BCE are going to be restored. Nobody thought that Israel could be restored. But what do you know about the, the, uh, t the um, national borders of the Middle Eastern states? Weren't they formed? They were cobbled together by the uh, British. They're completely artificial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and, and part of the problem in, in Iraq is you've got different groups. You've got Sunnis and Shiites, and you've got Kurds, and you've got Hui. Um, but, uh, but, um, <laughs> I know it. I couldn't. I can't. I, I have. I have no, I have no way to stop these things, but that's that's the the reason Iraq is such a mess is that it's a mess. It was never intended. There should never have been a nation of Iraq. I should have let those folks work out their own boundaries in some way. Of course, we have the sovereignty of God in all. Oh yeah. And there, when I was up with some other professors in school, one of them went back to Washington D.C. for a meeting, and he was a history professor. And uh, while he was there, the man from Israel who was in charge of all the Israeli forces in the 67 war, uh, they asked him about some of it, and he said, I didn't know what was happening in, in all of this and bringing it together. And he was in charge of the Israeli forces. <laughs> so clearly the hand of God. Yeah, clearly God's at work. Yeah. That. They, my, my point is, if you're going to bring God into it, I can believe almost anything. So they, if God has, has said these things will happen, it's my opinion, he knows how to work it out. Jan? The more I read God's word and the more I see Israel uh, always failing to trust God, and, uh, and, but I see God's character and his mercy and his, his justice and his love for his people is unfailing. Encourages me that yeah. he's going to deal with me the yeah. same way. Absolutely. I'm just like yeah. Israel. Yeah. So eight sixteen to twenty two, uh, Isaiah's determination to trust the Lord, uh, the Lord's word rejects the people's futile search for occult guidance. What is what in what shall we trust? In the revelation of God, in the promises, in the covenants. You must trust these things. You must understand your relationship with God. On what basis does it settle? Is it on your public profession of faith in him? Is that what it rests on? Or does it rest on the work of Jesus Christ? Does it rest on not your act of faith, but rest on what Jesus has accomplished, what God had promised, his covenant promises? Is that where your foundation is? Does this make sense to you? Uh, there was an old song I, I learned to sing some years ago. Um, my faith is is, um, well, it's not my faith is built on nothing less. That's a different song. Um, found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the living, the ever living one. His wounds for me shall plead. Do you follow? And if that's the case, then I've got to start trusting those things, even when I can't see how I'm going to survive in this, in this climate. Things keep getting worse. Um, Canada has taken some steps in, um, uh, they've denied accreditation to a whole college, a major college in Western Canada. Uh, Western. That's in British Columbia. Say again? That'd be BC. British Columbia is on the West Coast. 
yeah, that's not that school. It's it's a, a Trinity Western, Trinity Western University. It's a Christian school, and they wanted to start a uh, an uh, a, law a law school. Thank you, and that's been turned down. The Canadian government has said you cannot have accreditation. I think, if I understood the report right, they've withdrawn the entire accreditation of the school. It's a major school. It's a major force in the study of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's internationally known. And they're taking away the accreditation of the university. Are you with me here? Because they're Christian. Because they're Christian. Because they, they, they object to... Um, uh, they, they have requirements for sexual activity and so forth. So the point is, as you watch the news, you're inclined to go more and more toward paranoia. You gotta, you, we, we've, got to, we've got to be the people who can stand firm and say, no, I'm not going there. I have the promises of God. I'm going to be about the master's business. I'm going to see to it that what God has given me to do gets done. Come whatever may, Daniel got thrown into a lion's den. But who got some sleep that night? <laughs> The king or Daniel? It was Daniel who got to sleep that night. Why? He was still in the midst of lions. Yes? But he was, he was doing, he was faithful to the Lord in the midst of a trying situation. When everybody was against him because of his faith. Yes? Does that mean that the, if I get thrown into a lion's den, the lions aren't going to eat me up? No. Hopefully, hopefully not. <laughs> but, but it doesn't matter. Exactly. To, to die for the name of Jesus has to be... Folks, if it's an honorable thing to die for your country, yes? How much more honorable is it to die for the name of Jesus? Yes. So... He says here in verse 16, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. God, God's judgment is coming. Maher shalal hashbaz. But Emmanuel, still, God is with us. Are you with me here? Mm -hmm. And that means there is going to be a remnant, Sha'ar Yashuv. Because, Yeshayahu, the Lord still saves. Does this make sense? All right? Verse, verse uh, 18. Behold, I and the children whom, God, whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. This is, this is a kind of key verse. I know now that this section of Isaiah is built on the names of the children. And it's essential that I have these four names. Only with these four names does the passage make any sense. Isaiah, you know, I and the children. Isaiah, Sha'ar Yashuv, Immanuel, um, and Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. These names become the theme of the passage. Reading on, verse 19. When you say, when they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter. I love the King James, who peep and mutter. Uh, uh, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? 
if the living can't help, what are the dead going to do? And then he says, verse 20, to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it's because they have no dawn. Uh, Folks, this is picking up a theme from Deuteronomy chapter 12, um, 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13. One of the tests of a prophet is coherence with previous revelation. If you can't get guidance from the law and the testimony, don't go to the dead. If you can't get guidance from the law and the testimony, it's because you don't want that guidance. Uh, There are people who say, well, I prayed for the healing of my family member and God didn't answer the prayer, so I've given up on God. Folks, you you can't go to your bank account for anything except what's in it. Yes? I can't draw on my bank account for anything except what's in it. And God's bank account doesn't always have healing in it. In fact, turns out it doesn't have it very often. Does that mean God doesn't heal? No. It means, brothers and sisters, that God takes us into hardship when there's no obvious overt reason to trust, and we hold on to him even though there's no obvious overt reason to trust. And when we hold on to him, we give him greatest honor. Does this make any sense at all to you? I, I, I don't need the healings to trust. I need a God who is trustworthy. But if he doesn't heal and I pray for it, does that mean he's trustworthy? It means he's not doing what he doesn't plan to do. Do you not know 1 John chapter 5? Mother called me up one day and she said, Help! <laughs> it was the first word out of her mouth. I said, What? She said, i got to teach a Bible study tomorrow morning on 1 John chapter 5, and I don't have a clue what it means. She said, in 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything to, according to his will, he hears us. And if, if, if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the requests that have been made of him. Uh, so she said, I prayed for your dad that he would repent of his sin for all the years of, of the rest of his life. And he, she said, he, I, I knew it was God's purpose for his people to repent. So what happened and how do I explain this tomorrow? And the answer is the word will has too many senses and we don't, we don't dis- discern them adequately. The Lord's will could be his desire, but brothers and sisters, he hasn't con- included all of his desire in his plan. Did he delight in Judas's betrayal of Jesus? Oh, goody, goody, goody. Judas is going to betray Jesus now. Did did he delight in the execution of the son? No. So there are are things that he includes in his will that he doesn't delight in, he doesn't desire, but he does include them. Yeah, it's required because the purpose of God is to reveal his character and and the key element of what he's revealed. Think about this world. What attribute of God can best be revealed in this world other than grace? Creation. Well, creation, but he can reveal that in any creation. I'm talking about this world in which we live. It's No, grace. He can show his sovereignty in any number of ways, but grace has to have people who have forfeited all claim on his favor. Yes? 
Yes, Rick. And in suffering, if it's in God's plan for us, He's developing us. Absolutely. All kinds of things that are good that we may not see at the time. Now, I had to leave the service, so I didn't hear all the cha- uh, that the pastor said. But he, he started on James 1, I think. Yes? Yes. And real soon in James 1, count it all, I use this at the seminary, count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into diverse testings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, but the point is, we're actually called to count testing for our faith as a joyful thing. That entails the fact that we're right with God. Are you with me? Well, it's, it's the only source of comfort we got. That's, yeah. Because suffering is going to come. I, I tell my students, if, if you're speaking to a group, doesn't matter where they are, every one of them is either suffering or coming out of it or going into it. So if you will talk about suffering and how to survive in suffering, you'll hit every one of them in one way or another. Uh, so if this world is about grace, revealing God's grace, then a, a, necess- a necessary uh, adjunct to that is faith is the only way that I can lay hold of grace. Yes? So a key element of grace, of, of grace and our grace relationship with God is I have to trust him when he doesn't seem to be acting trustworthy. He never is untrustworthy, but I have to trust him that he is trustworthy even when I can't see it. A lady asked me one time, how long am I going to have to be in this? I said, how would I know? I didn't say it that way. I tried to say it much more gently than that. But how would I know? But I said, I can't tell you. It might be weeks. It could be months. It could be years. My mother faced the problem of my dad for 37 years. Are you with me here? And if you, if, if you are a prophet in, in the future, saying that message, it could cost you your head. Yeah. But, but she, she trusted the Lord. She didn't understand him. People said to her, Juanita, just trust the Lord. She said, I don't know how. Everything they told me about God turns out to be wrong. I don't know who he is. I don't know how to trust him. So she spent 17, well, much more than that, from 1985 to 2011, uh, she spent... 26 years, trying to figure out how to trust the Lord in the midst of of very difficult circumstances. It got better, but how do you trust the Lord? And she learned an awful lot about the Lord, and that's where my spiritual growth got started. (coughs) Am I making sense to you? And that's where my children's lives have been impacted. Is that right, Jan? From my mother, from her godly example and her struggle in faith. If, if I think that faith means everything's going to be easy and comfortable and happy and good, I've bought the commercials. I haven't bought the Bible. <laughs> uh, so to the law and to the testimony, verse 21, they will pass through the land hard-pressed, famished, and it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse their, God, their king and their God. Why? Because what they thought God ought to do, he doesn't do. But you see, his definition of good is different from mine, and by the way, it's better. Because my good means I've got the right kind of food for dinner tonight. His kind of good means what will be 
what will be joy and, and blessing for eternity. All I want is my belly full tonight. And then he goes on, verse 22, then they will look to the earth and behold distress. You might want to underline that word distress. And darkness. The gloom of anguish. You might want to underline that word gloom. Because Isaiah is going to pick them up in the next verse. We'll pick this up next week. And they will be driven away into darkness. Why? Because Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. The Lord is with us. And that means he judges. But chapter 9, the Lord is with us. And that means two things. A remnant will return. And the Lord saves. Are you with me? So, uh, what we've got to do is this, what we had on the screen here. Reject paranoia. Get to know our God. Get to know his purposes. Get to know his plans. How I can best fit into that plan. Get involved in that. See, I never have wanted to give up my plans. <laughs> I know best. Haven't you ever seen this with a three-year-old? I know best. Why are you doing this to me? You must be a wicked person. And that's why the child goes angry. Amen? Amen. And now I'm still a three-year-old. Still want my toy. And my father wants to give me something a whole lot better. Something that I will enjoy for everlasting. Instead of something that's just a nice toy that's shiny and bright and I can put it on the mantle and look at it from time to time and then forget that it's there. Yes? So let's start embracing uh, the Word of God. If trouble is coming as it seems to be, you better know the Word so that you can survive. You better know your God so that you can survive. You've got to know what kind of person he is. You've got to know his character. You've got to know his purposes and his plans. How does he do things? What he does is lead people into impossibility and then deliver them immediately. When it's really impossible, he delivers. I always find a way out of the impossibility. So I cut short the glory of God. Let's close with prayer. Father, I hate this message. I don't like it. wish you wouldn't give us things like this. But it's here. What shall we do? Uh, since it's here, then, Father, um, turn us back to your word. Make it more necessary than our daily food for us. Um, cause us, in the midst of what's causing paranoia and everyone else, cause us to be people of stability. Because we know that sin always is self-destructive. And we want to avoid that self-destruction, so we've embraced you. So cause us to be people of steadfastness, of stability, of hope. Because even in impossible times, we have someone to hope in. Nobody else will see it. Even some of our own brothers and sisters won't see it. But give us that kind of steadfastness that we can go on to see your glory in the midst of our difficulties. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.